Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. That's right. We actually are about to complete, although let's not take it for granted, given what's gone on recently. <laughs> Maybe I should, you know what? I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. Just moving on. I'm not I'm not jinxing it. Just another day. Just another day here on the show. Okay. Greetings. Happy Friday. I am Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre, Blaze TV contributor. Jill Savage will be joining us here momentarily for the Dace Group. Uh, next hour, we will get to your feedback here on a Feedback Friday, which we have received a ton of. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll get to your weekly look at the week that was here in a moment. First, let me remind you about our friends, though, over at Constitution Wealth. They want to make sure that your portfolio and principles don't have to be at war anymore uh, put your wealth to work for your values uh, and they can help you do that um, and and they can make sure you're not loaded up on big tech in your portfolio or a bunch of people trying to inject cultural rot gut uh, into the bloodstream of America understand we are in a culture war of biblical proportions despite what some people that I really adore were tweeting incredulously yesterday Okay, it's incredibly important to align our values uh, with our portfolio and our investments and Constitution Wealth can help you do that. So go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Book an appointment today. Um, You can get your retirement investments aligned with your values easier and quicker than you probably think. Start building the parallel economy doing your part right now at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Again, that's constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. And with that. It is time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with issue one bleep Lord Nefarious says. sit in these seats and feel safe and not feel um, like there's a threat or they can't be who they are or um, like like it's just all eyes on them. Uh, so um, I think it's a crime, honestly, to, to separate um, someone for any reason. So... I think it's very important. Uh, When it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90%. As you have heard from so many incredible leaders. For us at every moment in time, and certainly this one. Okay, so tell me all about this. To see the moment 
in time in which we exist and are present. I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that you had to shut down. And to be able to contextualize it. And sometimes the guidance does evolve over time. To understand where we exist. I am Maxwell. I am trans. I am big gay baby. In the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. Thank you very much, Kitty. When are that, you going to let us drink on this show? That is... <laughs> when? Hold on. I looked down at the rundown when I heard this dude talking. And I looked up and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> and straight up, that's Brittany Griner. Yeah. This shock is real. He could not believe it for the entire segment. He's like, guys, you're lying to me. I've not heard it. I've not heard her talk in several years. I mean, well, she yeah. literally has been in a Russian prison. That's Brittany Griner. Yes. I, and um, that's Jesse Waters on Fox at the end. Yeah, with the with the with the, with the yeah. drag queen. Yeah. I have a question for a friend. <laughs> um, let's pretend, just unrelated to the conversation that the the comment that you just made. Let's pretend that somebody who was on uh, chemical castration drugs, hormone therapy stop taking it for several months while they were in like a prison somewhere, would that cause their voice to drop? Just asking for a friend. Are you suspecting that perhaps Russia wasn't as amenable to a certain medical regiment as would occur in our own prisons over here, no, where we literally let dudes I'm go not. and rape women in women's prisons. I don't know what you. I don't know why you brought Russia into this. Gotcha. Just oh oh, just yeah, a, let's just, not sully Russia with this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they've got enough problems. I'm just yes. saying, in a vacuum, if that were to happen anywhere, oh, if you were to be oh, just as a general rule, just as a general rule, if you were without your ongoing yeah. medical regimen that yeah. was causing you to transition, mm-hmm. would that cause your original genetic disposition to reemerge? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I have. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no know. idea. All right, so let's get to it. Jill, ladies first, and you're the guest. First question is, what secretion from the bowels of hell that you just witnessed was the absolute worst? I was excited for the day group to come back, you guys. <laughs> I really was. And then we watched that video and Brittany Griner coming out, the voice, you know, notwithstanding, but the fact that she's out there saying that it's a crime not to allow dudes who feel pretty to go and participate in in female sports, it's a crime. It's not just, oh no, this is something that should happen. It should, it should involve the justice system. No, that that to me is mind boggling because we know we can see the logical conclusion where this would lead, where it's only going to be men mm-hmm. in women's sports. And this is something that Todd has been talking about forever. And I had the ability to to go and meet Riley Gaines just a couple weeks ago here in Tennessee and talk to her about this issue. And just to hear the actual female's point of view and to hear, you know, sharing a locker room and, and all the, the gross things that just go on that all these women are just made to feel like their voices don't matter because there's one dude who feels pretty that wants to swim, that wants to be a weightlifter in the Olympics, that wants to go be a bicyclist. At, at some point, we as a society have to draw a line and say, hey, you know what? We, we feel bad for you. We, we care about you as human beings. But guess guess what? 
we also care about our daughters and our sisters and everybody that is going in and actually trying to stand up for women in sports, that we created this beautiful thing that women can go out there and, and do this. But now, in the name of progress, we're going to take it all away. And a very, very, very close second is the uh, the Navy looking at Bud Light and literally saying, just, just hold my beer on this one. We saw how terrible your sales were for the Americana beer. That, who, who would have thought that the, the conservative boycott that would have won would have been on beer sales, guys? <laughs> but you go right. through and you have the Navy saying, now is the time. We've probably had this video for a while, but unleash that drag queen video now. Things are going so well in the country. Everybody is really on board with this. This is going to help us. I loved it. Um, Robert O'Neill, the guy who killed Osama bin Laden, came out and tweeted, we need our U.S. military to be ferocious, not fabulous. That's very well said. I mean, that is, that's very well said. Isn't the matriarchy great? I mean, whether it is um, consorts and temple prostitution of, the, of ancient times, every time the matriarchy asserts itself in a culture, women suffer, ironically, most of all. Every single time. And now, courtesy of this matriarchy, they're on the brink of just being erased altogether. Todd, what stood out to you? Well, there's the screamer at the front, and then what was it, Aaron? Big Gay Baby? Yeah. Uh, you he know, goes in Louisiana. At, at school board meetings, city council, wherever, wherever they were, saying what they said. I, I guarantee you, uh, this coming Monday here, I haven't decided if I'm going yet to my local school board meeting. I haven't been back in a while, but I have so many receipts that have collected since then that I'm thinking about going there. I would have to skip some of my kids' athletic stuff to do that. But I would roll tape. I I guarantee you, just from me telling them in person what they've actually done, I have a greater chance on Monday of being arrested than those two clowns do. Why is that possible? And this is my worst of the week. And Aaron does this very cleverly. Uh, how is all of that possible? He weaves it in. It's people like Kamala Harris. Not because she's vice president of the United States, not even because she's an elected official, because she's legion. Our sense of thought, decency, citizenship across the board is as stupid as Kamala Harris is all the time. And that's why all of that is possible. So that's why she is my worst of the week. This country is like Forrest Gump when the recruiter comes up to him. Son, have you given any thought about your future? Thought? Uh, that's basically us. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at, yeah. alluding to, Todd. I think the worst of uh, the worst there was the Jesse Waters clip, because that just encapsulates everything, especially what we're about to talk about. Siri, why does Fox News lose 30% of their audience this week that never came back? So we have Legion up against Legion and our supposed approved, uh, approved uh, pushback in the media and cultural, but mostly media sphere. Uh, loves to uh, talk to people in drag and have uh, the artist formerly known as Bruce Jenner on the on on their on their airwaves on a regular basis um i didn't know this was a fight <laughs> didn't know this was a fight and i'm not going to spoil the rest of that quote from nefarious which but it's it's my favorite is my favorite in the film i still can't believe that's britney griner that still blows my mind 
see we're dealing with if if after we talked about it in the first Avengers movie. Hawkeye wakes up because he takes a shot to the head. Yeah. Brittany Griner. I mean, all the stupid. We, you got to feel bad on some of the, the, the. At such a young age, they've been drinking woke from a fire hose. They get brainwashed. I, I get how it happens. It's in your movie. That's the poor the Edward, the poor SOB. What happens to him? But you, you got knocked in the head. You were in prison in Russia and you come back and you're now you're telling us we need to go to jail. Like this is invincible ignorance. You so it's now you have to decide. This is a war. What are you going to do? What this montage proves this week, and has proven essentially every week since Aaron began it, is if you deny the basic principles of a biblical worldview, you are denying ultimate reality. Yes. If you deny ultimate reality, you have no alternative but to go certifiably insane. And the only thing that will be debatable is how fast you end up arriving at the end of that journey, how fast you arrive at that destination. But, but you're literally, if you're denying, and what do we call people who deny reality? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, it's insane. It's literally insane. Exit question. On a scale of one to 10, with one being the odds that as he announces he's going to run for another term, Joe Biden will still be able to count to four, four years from now. And 10 being the odds, Lindsey Graham will still be counting four skins. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Jill. Ten. Todd. <laughs> Jill. <laughs> ten. Aaron. No, I'm at a ten. I was originally going to go with Lindsey Graham will still be on all fours, but I thought that might be oh going my. too far, oh so my. I didn't go there. No. Glad you didn't say that on the air. Oh, is this on? <laughs> I'm sorry. Only time I ever reconsider the coattails. Only time. Issue two. Speaking of skins. <laughs> Jill probably Take. is drinking. She's not here. She can. At the break, it might happen. Issue two, Fox takes off the sheepskin. Fox News cut ties with the biggest name in cable news last week, Tucker Carlson. A couple days after his ouster, Carlson posted this video on Twitter. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. In response, Fox News has apparently taken to leaking behind-the-scenes footage of Carlson to left-wing outlets and has done nothing but make the now former host appear more likable. Can I ask you a question? You don't have to answer. It's personal. I'm not speaking of you, but more in general of ladies. When they go to the ladies' room and powder their noses, is there actually nose powdering going on? Sometimes. Ooh. I like the sound of that. Most of the time it's lipstick. 
do pillow fights ever break out? You don't have to. Not, in, have the, to, not no. in the bed. Okay, not in the bed. Okay. That'd be more a dorm activity. <laughs> On Monday of this week, a week after Fox cut ties with Carlson, MSNBC beat Fox News in total viewers and in the key age demographic 25 to 54 during the primetime hours. Yikes. Update on that, by the way. It's been a full week. In the first full week since uh, Tucker's firing, that wasn't a firing, apparently. Fox's primetime lineup is down 30%, not just in the Tucker slot, the entire block. They did not have a single program in the top 10 for the week. Only three were in the top 20. So let's get to the first question here. Todd, I'll begin with you. Whose long-term future would you rather bet on right now? Fox News, which is still on the air, or Tucker Carlson, who's not? Tucker. Why? I'm going to an, an oldie but goodie. Certainly pre-COVID, had to rely on a lot of other catchphrases. But the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. This happens all the time throughout human history. Uh, and I'm, I think I think this is a mindset that Steve and Aaron would kind of tell you about. In, and and I, I glean from them when they talk about betting, you know, the trends. Mm-hmm. But this, uh, already, I, Steve didn't mention it, but there there's... Tucker hosting presidential debates. Mm-hmm. And so, he has the power to do that. They, well, he's already scheduled to host a presidential forum here at the Leadership Summit in Des Moines yeah. in July. He can take yeah. over this whole thing. I mean, this we, we, we're we actually in the middle of... I mean, he actually has the power to go full um, William Jennings Bryan, where he shows up as a reporter one year, and all the other guys are flaming out, and he ends up running for president himself again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is real history. Mm-hmm. He's that... People talk about Tucker. Could, could he run? So I, I don't think it's close. And Fox, um, I, I think we're seeing a potential Bud Light territory here. Uh, I know we talked about that. I'm not fully in on what that means and why exactly Bud Light versus other things. Uh, but we've, we've logged the demographics of who watches Fox News, uh, and they're just getting older and older and older. And it's like it's it's not even close in terms of Tucker and who the second place people are. So I, I I'm, I'm not saying Fox News is going to die tomorrow, but they just don't have the variables in their control right now to have to soar. In this moment, I think that's a key point that you just made is they have operated as a business for decades Mm -hmm. as if they were in control of the Overton window on the right. And this is the first time since their ascendancy that they essentially are no longer in control of their own fate. Uh, that that I agree with, this, and I think that's a salient observation. Aaron, go ahead. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is the point that I was trying to make the other day with uh, left wing outlets like BuzzFeed News and now Vice kind of going down the toilets. They pushed their media. They pushed their media left, and their media, because they already agreed with them, willingly went left. Now, Vice, BuzzFeed News, and some of these other outlets that have shut up shop the other, uh, you know, uh, in the past few years, they are just redundancies now because mm-hmm. the mainstream media has already done their job for mm-hmm. them. So they're just redundancies because the ownership at Fox actually disagrees with its base. They will not allow themselves to adapt to the new Overton window on the right. So they are absolutely long term. 
doomed. So I'm betting on Tucker Carlson. I mean, maybe maybe much too much was made of how many views he got on that one Twitter video. But now we've got a full week of data and you realize just how much he meant to that audience in the 25 to 54 demographic. That is humongous. That's 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 doom right there. And I think Tucker Carlson, no matter where he goes, I think two things can be true at the same time. One, it is unmistakably an L for people like us on the show and you, the viewers, to not have his voice in that time slot with Amen. that platform. Amen. That's unmistakably a loss. Okay. There's there's no painting that. It's also true that no matter where he goes next, he's going to be very, very successful. Maybe not have as big of a platform. Um, but who knows? He, he might. He might have as big of a platform or as big of a reach as he did before. Those t- things can yeah. be true at the same time. But who's responsible for that loss? It ain't Tucker. Nope. No, it's they Fox, did it, they which did it, is... They did it to themselves. And now everybody sees them push, putting out this ridiculous nonsense if they think yeah, it's going to Yeah, leaking stuff her. to the New York Times and Media Matters yeah. and all these people. All right, Jill, I want to get your answer to this question before I have a follow-up question and point. Go ahead. Yeah, I look at the the media matters thing in, in particular, and I'm like, that's that's my little feed. That's that's what I get for Tucker Carlson. I need these little hits of Tucker Carlson, and media matters is feeding it to us. So Fox came out today and said, hey, we need to stop putting all of these videos out. It's working too well. The people are actually liking them. It's not backfiring on him. But who benefits more, Fox News or Tucker Carlson? We always say the GOP hates Republicans, right? Like this is they absolutely hate the base. The Murdoch family is only using the the conservatives to get the ratings. And it's kind of ironic, Steve, that something that your audience has heard from you from last summer when Tucker was in town for the Family Leadership Summit last year is the exact six minute clip that went viral on Heritage. Mm -hmm. Tucker came out and said, you know, nobody's winning on the left or the right. It's all demonic, bro, basically, Mm -hmm. is is Mm -hmm. what he said. And that's what got him to get fired, right? That's that's the going assumption at this point is it was too Christian, too conservative worldview for Fox. And they said, we can't have this anymore. This is it, we're just gonna cut ties. So when you look at Fox, they hate you anyway. So are they really going to fight back and try and win back the conservative base? No. When you look at Tucker Carlson, he was able to build up the number one show in primetime TV for this. And and that was Tucker with parameters, right? This is going to be Tucker unleashed now. He's not mm-hmm. going to sign a deal where his voice will be silenced or, or you know, contained in Excellent any way. Excellent point. Yep. So what is Tucker with with already having three and a half million viewers when Tucker can say what Tucker wants to say with no chains on him whatsoever? That is going to launch him into another stratosphere. I completely agree. Opinion. Yeah, I mean, you you basically just went the full Obi Wan. If you strike me down, it will become even more powerful mm-hmm. than you can possibly imagine. I'm I'm more powerful outside of this cloak. You just don't see it, and. There are Fox has fundamental problems that it was always going to have. There's a fork in the road that Fox was always going to come to. That's just inevitable. The technology is evolving. They've tried to make Fox Nation a thing. It they had their own lineup of shows to compete with us and Daily Wire and a few others. Those all bombed. They then basically turned it over to Tucker to save it. They basically said, hey, this is your DVD bonus material that was in his latest contract. You're basically Fox Nation, our biggest star. Um, Well, they just tanked their biggest star. All right. So linear cable as a model is dying anyway. 
and it won't be resurrected because it's just not cost effective. Everything can be done so much cheaper digitally. So the, the, their business model was already in danger. Their average viewer is 68 and a half years old. So they're on a platform that's dying. They're part of a gen- We're all dying. Some generations just die faster. All right. And when your average viewer is 68 and a half years old, you're in that generation that's dying faster than any other generation. So they were always going to come to this fork in the road at some point. But maybe the Murdochs could have held on long enough that that because of the the power of the brand of Fox, they could have convinced and we don't have a lot of them, frankly, but they could have convinced some billionaire on the right that when, when Rupert finally fully steps aside, the kids could have convinced some billionaire on the right. All right. To, to take it off their hands and, and buy it from them. Maybe. All right. What they've done now is, is, is I think they've hindered that option too, because they've tarnished their own brand. It, it's not, this isn't Tucker with some personal scandal uh, with, with the subordinate mm-hmm. and cheating on his wife or, you know, uh, impregnating another woman that's on the stage. It's none of that. It's none of that has happened. This They made it out in the open, made it very clear they were doing this strictly for ideological reasons. And, and essentially they made the mistake that doomed the newspaper industry. Same thing. Yeah. They were always going to come to the fork in yep, the road where the point. technology was going to always just... Um, out-evolve them. But they hastened their own demise to the point that now you don't even look at newspapers with a certain level of, um, uh, you know, nostalgia mm-hmm. for a different yeah. era. You know, that, that you don't even want to read them in a museum. They, they, they tarnished themselves because they made it very clear that they hate a good portion of the people who would yes. actually read them. Exactly. And so you've just thrown them on the funeral pyre now. And that's that's the mistake that Fox has made. Uh, and, and that one is tough to come back from. I mean, that is literally hold my beer. And, and Rupert Murdoch did not become a billionaire by making decisions like this. All right. This is in the end, we don't rise above our own worldview ever. And finally, he just got pushed too far. I think he was bitter at his base for the check he had to write for Dominion. Thank you guys for correcting me there original lawsuit was 1.6 so they only paid him a, almost a billion of that so it wasn't quite exactly what dominion uh had had demanded in the suit so uh thank you i'll issue that correction now since it came up but it, they still cut him a nearly a billion dollar check on top of this now you've got tucker openly promoting rfk jr and saying that the media which would include his own company at news corp uh tried to promote and impose a shot there's which by the way nature Nature Today, which is one of the absolute most sellout science is magic publications in America, has a massive study out today of showing markers for blindness two years after taking the COVID jab. Studies out today, markers for blindness, blood clots in the retina that can cause blindness two years after taking the jab, according to this study in Nature today. Mm-hmm. And so Tucker brings it, it promotes RFK running for president, says the shot was ineffective, maybe dangerous, and then goes to Heritage and basically, as Jill says, repeats what he said to me and a small group of us here in Des Moines last summer. All right. That was just too much. And the worldview finally came out. Transactionalism is not a permanent state for any relationship. Sooner or later, there has to be intimacy. There has to be bonds. There has to be a shared value system. And Fox has now told their audience, it's not just guys we don't book like Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz and a few others, because they could just say, we don't need those guys who are there. They're schmucks. They don't have the big of followings. They could say whatever they want. They now said what we've been saying to you all these years. They said it themselves. Right 
to you. And that will now hasten, just like it did with the newspapers, the devolution they were always going to face. And I don't know now. I mean, I can name you in my circles. I've encountered a few billionaires in politics and movie and fundraising and movies and everything else. I, I don't know why any of them would buy Fox off the Murdoch kids. Why do that when the, the, the brand's now tarnished on top of the fact that it's a dying and very expensive technology? What's the point? Especially when Tucker, I believe, in the end, launches his own show by himself on Fox and get, or I'm sorry, on Twitter and gets 10, 15 million views. It won't be 40. You're right, Aaron. And I'll bet you it'll be 10 or 15 million almost every night, and which would blow away whatever anybody's seeing on linear TV right now. Let's get the exit question. I just answered my own. What do you think Tucker Carlson does next? Besides hosting these debates? Yeah. Well, I, I, let me make it more specific. Do you agree with me that his next movie is he'll just do his own show all by himself with his own staff and platform it on Twitter? Yes, that's most likely, but that's not all by himself. And that's the way I was going there. There are possibilities now for alliances with, I mean, well, look at what you just said. That would, the opposite was possible. Twitter would have tried to kill him mm -hmm. just a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I think we are about to see the potential for a formation of an entirely new entity, entity with these like minds because uh, th there's, there's hope here. The truth can't be contained. All right, quickly, Aaron, what do you think? Uh, did you see what uh, Elon Musk was testing out on Twitter? He's resurrecting Twitter live videos. There you Maybe go. just a coincidence. Might probably just a coincidence, Jimmy. Yeah, Jill? Totally agree. I've already paused my YouTube TV account for the summer. I can't be alone on that. I don't need it if Tucker's not there. There's no sports that I care about in the summer. Wait for football season. There you go. All right, when we come back, did DeSantis wait too late? We'll discuss. Americans have had it with woke corporatism, fascism. Problem is, parallel economy just hasn't fully developed yet. Thankfully, one place where it is just so happens to be with one product that we all have to use in this day and age. So make sure you check out our friends over at Patriot Mobile right now. Uh, they are building a whole new economy and they have an excellent service plan for you, including the opportunity uh, for you at any point in time, once you become a member to Patriot Mobile to make the switch. Any point in time, even if you're a different part of town, sometimes you're in a dead zone with one network or a different part of the country, you can immediately make the switch to any of the three major network networks out there free of charge just by being a member of Patriot Mobile. Uh, if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They'll have extra ways of saying thank you for your service uh, for those folks. For the rest of us, you can get a free activation code today when use the offer code Steve when you make the switch at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 878-PATRIOT and use the promo code Steve for a free activation. All right, let us welcome back Jill Savage, Blaze TV contributor, as we continue on with the Dace Group. And we get to issue three. Did DeSantis wait too late? 
The clock is ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking some more as we wait for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to make his announcement. He's running for president. DeSantis has accomplished much just this legislative session, despite doing oodles of traveling across the state, country, and world. Just this week, he signed a bill that enacts the death penalty for child rapists, a bill that targets woke corporate policies and recently announced he's going after another Soros-backed prosecutor in the Sunshine State. But even as he racks up accomplishments, the field for the 2024 GOP primary is already starting to shape up a field that, as of now, doesn't include the Florida governor. So I wanted to discuss this because this is a trope that is appearing frequently on Twitter, particularly amongst um, the most ardent Trump supporters. But that doesn't mean that it's not accurate at the exact same time. Um, I, I, before we get to it, I want, I want you guys to know I did speak to a little birdie today. Not someone whatsoever associated with the DeSantis campaign on this issue, but um, from the COVID side of things on the grand jury that is ongoing in Florida. Um, Here is what I was told. They are extremely serious about this, and that's why you won't have any Alvin Bragg leaks. This thing is on absolute lockdown, and it will be on lockdown until the grand jury comes forth with whatever they're going to come forth with. But I am told that there are victims, medical experts, and doctors that we know on the expose the, uh, the, the scamdemic side of things that are very involved in this grand jury proceeding. That's what I was told. So that, so, and it's from some of those folks that this news came from that. So, um, I know that you guys have asked about that. We've all asked about that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to pass that on here on the show today from people on the COVID stand side of things are saying that they are actively involved in this grand jury in Florida. And it's serious, but they're just going to do their best uh, to avoid any leaks or anything that might undermine it until they come forward. You guys have any quick thoughts on that before we move on to talk about it? It's promising. That's okay. promising. Move on with we, the topic I meant to say in English. No, it's promising because, I mean, you, you hear this announced and then nothing, just crickets. That's either a very good thing or a very bad thing, and it seems like it's trending towards the, uh, the former. All right, so with that, let's get to the politics of things. Simple question to DeSantis. Has he waited too late? Aaron, I'll start with you. I don't think so. I, I would like to see him jump in pretty soon. I don't think he's waited too late, though. I mean, not really even hearing it. You're, you're seeing some ads. Now, I haven't watched Fox News since Tucker. Uh, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was just getting kind of into that, uh, especially at nights where, where Bellow is working. I just go down, put Ben down, I'd go down and watch uh, Tucker Carlson uh, for a bit. But now I haven't watched Fox News since he's, he's been gone. But I had seen some pack ads for both DeSantis and Trump airing there, uh, local radio not really hearing many things. So, guys, again, the campaign really hasn't even started um, in mass yet uh, here in Iowa anyway. There are some, like I said, some national ads kind of peppering uh, the airwaves in, in various places. So it's it's not the campaign really hasn't began, begun yet. So I'm not really sure what the marker is of being too late. I guess too late would be like uh, November, December, something like that. So We've got the entire summer ahead of us, the state fair, various events going on in this state uh, in, in, in the fall. 
uh, people really aren't paying that close of attention yet. So if you ask me what too late would be, I would say late summer would probably, if he hasn't made an announcement, then late summer would probably, you're pushing it quite a bit. Todd, did he wait too late? I honestly don't even understand the question. I think, of course not this if if ron DeSantis was somehow like ron DeSantis who like drifting off into the ether no one was ever talking about him then have this discussion everybody's obsessed with him and furthermore why are we even questioning this guy's instincts at this point no he, he is he's the guy who got the red wave i who who since reagan has had better instincts and even when he's been wrong initially which politician do you remember who pivots so authentically and so successfully and learns from his mistakes i i don't this is all preposterous to me i i can the guy actually make a huge mistake first before we overanalyze the guy has earned even from his enemies he should have earned a level of like you know there's some game there instead we're calling he's just a troll this is i everybody has just proven to me that just about everybody else should get out by now because of how ridiculous you have of a man crush you have on him why are you paying if he's if if he's irrelevant and he's got this wrong why are you even talking about him joe what do you think I think that we are going to get the knockout drag out fight that we're all looking for in the gop primary and no ron DeSantis hasn't waited too long. First of all, he had to wait for the Florida legislature to go through and pass the bill that says he can run for president. So there were actual, you know, laws that had to be put in place first for this to go through and and be able to happen in the first place. But then when you look at it, guys, Aaron's absolutely right. If it's late summer, once you get to the Iowa State Fair time, growing up in Iowa and living there for 23 years of my life, understanding that this is this is what it's going to be, right? The TV commercials are only going to get increasingly larger in volume. All of the Iowans that are out there right now are like, no, this is absolutely not too late. We don't want to deal with this any longer than we actually have to. And, you know, all, all of the early states in this, they understand. They, they know their role in the process. And that's all that matters is they will pay attention when the time comes. And, you know, the, the corn will be growing in Iowa. Everybody will be eating the fried food at the state fair. And then they will care about Trump and DeSantis and trying to avoid everybody else as they're running around all of the diners across Iowa come come this September, October, November. You know, like that. this is this is preposterous that we are ap- actually having this conversation. I am already so annoyed with the Trump Twitterati, and that's what I'm calling them now. It's, it's just, they are making an issue of something that is a non-issue. And I don't know how long people are going to just have this as, oh, that, that's okay. Trump's people, they can just go out there and keep bashing the man who was the red wave, the most popular figure in the GOP, how long is that going to play? Because I think that people are already annoyed with it. So how, how, how long can you do this? What's, what's the end game here? Let me play devil's advocate. I agree. I agree in principle with everything that you guys said. So, but let me, let me present what I think is, is a plausible view that doesn't make you, you know, uh, as Jill uh, labeled it, Trump's Twitterati. I think it's a legitimate concern. Time is the one thing you're not making any more of. And I think a really salient point that was made there was what Jill said about having to change the law in Florida so that you could run without giving up the governor's seat. All right. So 
that was one of the reasons why they had to wait until this legislative session was done is to get that law passed. I understand that. But time is the one thing they're not making any more of. And I, I, I hate, sometimes I get hung up on stuff. I'm human. I still can't get over that someone from, from DeSantis' super PAC thought of all the people on planet Earth to talk to about maybe my candidate's too pro-life to win. Thought that that was a good idea to share that with the Christian activist that probably has Ron DeSantis' entire political fate literally holding, sitting in his bare hands. My buddy Bob Vanderplas. I'm just, I'm blown away at that. And here's why I think that matters. This is his first attempt at a national campaign. There are going, I've, I have been a part of a neophyte national campaign. There are going to be mistakes. There are going to be mistakes. Peyton Manning is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. He threw 23 interceptions his rookie year. There are going to be mistakes. Making those mistakes in February and March, it's a little bit like any college football season, and Jill, you know this covering the sport. Would you rather lose in November or lose in September, Jill? When would you rather lose a game? September. September, yep. You have more time to rack up some more wins and build them up. I, I, and that is, I, I do think it's legitimate to ask if your margin for error, it, listen, it's tough to kill a king anyway, I'm speaking metaphorically. That's what DeSantis is trying to do. DeSantis is the David trying to basically finish off what's left of King Saul. That's not an easy quest anyway, nearly cost David his life, all right? So it's not an easy mission anyway. But the margin for error now, now you really better be sure you have truly vetted the people you've hired. Because you don't get a few months of, you know, face plants and mistakes. And if you look at the way every other candidate in this race has, has behaved, uh, it, it, they're all, they're, there's only one candidate that all of them are attacking, mm -hmm. and it's him. Yeah. Whether it's Pence, whether it's Nikki Haley, whether it's Vivek Ramaswamy, and of course Trump. He is the only, the others aren't attacking Trump at all. They're just attacking him. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I it's... It's not the same as taking on Charlie Crist. There will be growing pains. Interceptions will be thrown. Fumbles will be had. All right? Kicks will get missed. That's just, that's going to happen. And, I mean, Trump spent six months campaigning and going nowhere because he wanted to talk about China and trade policy. It wasn't until the summer of 2015 when he, when, he, when he touched on the immigration issue that he saw, oh, that's the one you want me to discuss. And he rode that all the way to the nomination. It took him six months to find that issue. It's, it's not, there will be mistakes and the clock is ticking. This is Thoughts. why I'm, I'm hedging a little bit more than I think maybe Todd and Jill are in saying I think it's not too late and I'd like to see him jump in soon. That's one of the reasons why. Also, it's just... His existence as governor, especially during a legislative session, is his campaign. He's mm -hmm. racking up wins after win after win. Now, you can run on that, but hurricane season is coming up. You know as soon as the first Category 2 storm mm -hmm. uh, rolls through, Donald Trump is going to whack him. He's, he's failed the state of Florida. You know, the news media is going to be all over him. He's failed the state of uh, hurricane season is coming up. You're not really in a legislative session. Still not sure exactly what the results of the grand jury is going to be. I'm going to inter be interested, really, to see what his campaign is going to, to look like. Like, what are you running on currently? I mean, you just mentioned writing an issue. Is immigration going to be that issue? What What is that issue that he just just catches lightning in a bottle at and i don't really know what that is and as you said you only have to, so much uh, time to figure out what that is exactly 
I've got more to say on this, but we're, we're late on time. So let's move on to the exit question. If where you think the, the DeSantis campaign will be 90 days from now, we're one of George Strait's 60 number one songs. That's not a typo. That's how many number one songs he's at. Which of those number one songs would it be? A, I Can Still Make Cheyenne. B, The Chill of an Early Fall. C, Easy Come, Easy Go. Aaron. I Can Still Make It to Cheyenne. Todd. Correct. Correct. Jill. Same. All right. Let's get to the kicker question. If you could choose one outcome from this presidential election cycle, it can be who wins um, or a specific candidate related. Doesn't even have to be necessarily about the vote itself, but maybe just within the process. What outcome would you choose and why? Aaron, go. Um, in mass, the American people find Jesus and just get sick of politics and instead get, start going back ch- to church. Does so that a Jesus juke? Here's my actual answer. Uh, I would like to see DeSantis versus RFK Jr. I don't think there's any any downside to that whatsoever. Todd. Uh, that was mine, and I think it's important enough to say it a second time. And so I, I, it, even more important than just a DeSantis win itself in some ways, like people realizing it doesn't have, you know, it's your lot. It doesn't have to be this way, Steve. Mm-hmm. They would see something entirely foreign to them that they need to see. Jill. Yeah, in the similar lines, I was going to say RFK Jr. on as many debate stages as possible, trying to break down the window. When you look at the COVID narrative, the lockdowns, the the vax mandates, all of it going through and having somebody with the last name of Kennedy on the Democratic side, having that power to go through and speak to a large group of, of people that have not yet heard this message would be the biggest thing. I, I think you, you're right. I, I actually think if I had to pick one, it would be RFK Jr. winning the Democratic nomination. To at least maybe turn the clock back to like 1998 or something. I, I mean, to, to, to return the Democratic Party to some form of sanity to buy us more time, that's probably, the, the, of all the outcomes that are possible, that's probably the one I would choose. All right, let's get to predictions, Todd Go. Uh, Donald Trump is strongly considering early, very early in the process, asking Tucker Carlson to be his vice presidential candidate. That'd be a genius move. I don't know if Tucker would do it or not, but that would be a genius move. Chill, go. Uh, I don't know who those people are in the audience right now that are trying to get rid of the Lindsey Graham jokes, but... If they are successful in doing so, I might have to go Bud Light boycott on this show. Guys, it's such a tough week. We get to Friday, TGIF. We know End of Empire stuff is so difficult. We know we're going to have a laugh, and it's going to be at Lindsey Graham's expense, and I can't lose that, so stop trying to get it to happen. Give Jill her dopamine. That's what I need. Good good Catholic girl just wants her Lindsey Graham jokes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, by the end of July, we will have confirmation and or proof that some of the alleged meetings that these figures like uh, Noam Chomsky, the current CIA director, some of these meetings that they had with Epstein after he was convicted of uh, of his sex crimes, we will have confirmation and or proof that they actually did take place. Hmm. I'm going to predict that later or at some point this year, Elon Musk will completely scrap the Twitter algorithm and reboot the entire platform in advance of the 2024 presidential election. That's my prediction. Why? Because it's completely unusable. I mean, it, 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 it's, it is plugging holes in a leaky dike. It got so worked up, so worked over. I mean, 
there are still absolutely ridiculous suspensions and everything else going on. And I, I think in advance of the election next year, I think he is going to scrap the entire algorithm and reboot it. That's what I think. That's my prediction. Jill, good to see you as always. All right. Thank you. You too. All right. We'll come back. It'll be Feedback Friday and therefore your turn when we do. Stay tuned. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Via the SteveDace.com inbox, you can email us, Steve, at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter. Uh, TikTok and Instagram and Getter. You can also find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace as well. And again, D-E-A-C-E is how to spell the last name. For those of you that listen to the podcast, thank you so much. Please, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow. And thank you to each and every one of you who have done that for us already. This portion of the show brought to you by Relief Band. You know, sometimes it's just not worth going with the cheaper alternative. You ever get nauseous, you know you'll do whatever it takes to feel normal again. And that's where Relief Band comes in. They've got an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Over 100,000 satisfied customers, so you know they're a brand you can trust. Relief Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband. It's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, even hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. And now you can even use your HSA and FSA dollars to get relief band as well. Forget the days of nausea pills that just make you groggy and exhausted. Um, It's time for relief band, which does just what the name says. Uh, So for relief band, go to reliefband.com, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D, all one word reliefband.com. Use my promo code Steve for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, If you want the best way to solve your nausea, check out Relief Band. ReliefBand.com, promo code Steve for 20% off plus free shipping. All right. You guys ready for some Feedback Friday? Yes. Let's get it going. Let's start with Ben Reeder, who writes... I have struggled with my faith my entire life. In recent months, I came to the realization, though, that there is so much dark and even or evil in the world that really the only way to win is through the uh, faith in, uh, in, in the Lord. And then I found you on Timcast and immediately began a, becoming a loyal fan. I took my family to see Nefarious twice in opening weekend. The message in the movie helped reinforce how I have recently felt about the importance of faith. Then for the first time in a long time, We went to church that next Sunday, and we plan to keep going as long as we have one which sticks to the orthodoxy. Now, I'm pretty immature spiritually, but I think I know what that means when you say it. Very glad to hear you're feeling better after the recent uh, trip to Rochester. Stay strong and keep doing what you're doing. Again, that is from Ben. And so thank you, Ben. Um, Other than the movie, I think... I got, I've gotten more reaction from the uh, appearance I made on Tim Pool's show earlier this year than literally anything I've done in my own career on my own. So 
If you're wondering when I talk about orthodoxy, what do I mean? I'm talking about small o, because there is another branch of the church that refers to itself as the Orthodox Church, right? And it would have some differences with both Protestants and Catholics. So when I'm talking about orthodoxy, for people that are wondering what Ben's referring to, I mean small o orthodoxy, as in the definition of the term. Right belief and right behavior. What are the things that Christians, despite their differences through the ages, what are the things that Christians, despite their differences through the ages, have held firm and together on? That's what I would, now, I would add more things maybe that I think are orthodoxy. And within Protestantism, we have differences on some of those things. Todd as a Catholic would probably add more things to orthodoxy as well. Um, But then we start getting into areas where we have not all agreed consistently through the ages. So what are the things that we, what are those things? And I haven't talked about this in a long time, but you know, the, 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 the closed hand and the open hand. All right. The stuff that's in the closed hand are the convictions. These are the, these are the things of mere orthodoxy. These are the things that my, I'm, I'm betting my eternal soul on these things and I'm not, I'm not changing them for anybody. And then there are my positions in my open hand. And at various stages of my life, I may have uh, different positions among, with, among these positions. I may feel strongly about them at, at certain times in my life than I do others. I may, I may be right about them, might be wrong. But they're not the things that I think my eternal soul is dependent on. Doesn't mean they're not important. It just means they're not of primary importance. And a lot of times we'll take the thing, we'll, we'll, we'll have more convictions than positions and it really should be the other way around so what would those be if you want me to itemize them for you Jesus is God he is he is actually God himself that's a conviction I'm betting my soul on that the Bible is the ultimate word of God the ultimate revelation of God the ultimate source for truth about the human condition and knowledge of the character of God and how he has interacted with us throughout time and history. There is only one God, the God of the Bible. There are no other gods. Anything else is either a cult um, and, and sincere an earnest yet false teaching, period. The basic morality that the that Christians have held to for 2,000 years, despite lots of other differences, there's only two genders. God created men and women not equal in ability or roles or duties, but in worth, dignity, and value. There's only two kinds of people, men and women. There aren't any other kind. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. It is wrong to murder, etc. Those are the things that I would consider to be orthodoxy. On a, on a basic level, that believers, regardless of time, custom, um, era, culture, language, etc., have have always collectively agreed upon and believed in. 
Anybody want to add anything to that before I move on? I think a, a key for moving forward, though, is you yourself just said, I, I struggled uh, with my own faith. I think there's a lot of unpacking to do there, but ultimately you've come to point, you realized in that struggle, you were wrong. We don't know what that, what, you were mm-hmm. wrong about some things, your application, your stubbornness, whatever that was. Well, in whatever church you're in, you're going to continue to be surrounded by people who are a little bit wrong, a lot wrong. Uh, I, I don't know, but are they sheep or are they wolves? You can be in a, in a church where some people are wrong for a long time if, if they are sheep. But if they have grown control, uh, whether formally they're part of the leadership structure or they're just calling shots through pressure from, you know, from the seats, th- then then you've got a problem and you need to go. Because, listen, this is the church is a hospital for sinners. You know, you're going to come. People are broken. They're going to come. On some day, they might be right about one thing. They might be wrong about another thing. But are they there to be healed mm-hmm. or are they there to lie? Mm-hmm. Are they sheep or are they wolves? Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, this is where the conversation with uh, Mark Driscoll yesterday, I think kind of at least towards the end of the conversation, comes into to play. What What era... <laughs> What era do a lot of our pastors who might actually otherwise be um, orthodox, small, oh, what era do they think we're in? Do they know what time, uh, mm-hmm. do they know what time it is? And mm-hmm. and so many times, I mean, just look around. I think you were doing an AMA while on your flight back from Dallas and you were asked, uh, you know, what, what changes do you see, I think, in the church in your state? And you basically said, not much in my own suburb, but around the state, you kind of see more evidence of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of part and parcel here. Too many uh, men of the cloth just don't know what time it is. They might actually, they might actually be small O orthodox. They just don't know what time it is. And yep. that has to change. I mean, a great, going back to that Twitter AMA I did on the plane on the flight home the other day, you mentioned, uh, Aaron, I was asked about Tim Keller. I think Tim Keller would affirm and in most of his preaching would affirm almost every point of just very basic entry level orthodoxy that I just articulated. But I, and, and I mentioned that I said, I don't think Tim Keller is a heretic. I just think he doesn't know what time it is or maybe even worse doesn't actually will, willfully chooses not to know because it would get in the way of whatever his other preaching agenda is. I, mean, I don't know him at all, so I can't tell you which one that it is, but I don't think he's a heretic. I just don't think he knows what time it is and may not even want to know. I think what Joel Osteen teaches is heresy. I think the prosperity gospel is heresy. Um, Jesus, the primary gospel, um, that doesn't mean I think healing ministry is, is heresy. I don't. It's very clearly taught in the New Testament to lay hands on one another. Um, I don't think deliverance ministry is heresy. You see very clearly in the New Testament, they sought to deliver people from demonic oppression. Uh, I don't think those things are heretical at all. Um, And I understand that, you know, um, it takes money to fund missions and things of that nature. I'm not a, I'm I'm not anti-capitalist, but the prime directive of the gospel is uttered from the moment it is literally conceived in the New Testament. The angel Gabriel says to Mary about her pending conception and whom she's about to conceive, quote, he will save his people from their sins. That is the prime directive of the gospel. I didn't say it was the only aspect or vestige of a gospel-driven or gospel-based ministry. 
When Jesus himself talks for the first time coming out of the wilderness, his 40 days of testing, and he goes to his hometown and he is given the scroll of Isaiah to preach from. This is the first sermon he gives coming out of the 40 days. And he quotes from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he lays out what is the fruit of the messianic ministry, recovery of sight to the blind, the, the, the lame walk and the deaf and hear, etc. Okay. He lays all this out right out of Isaiah 61. But the, so those things are fruits of a gospel driven ministry. I agree. I also do not believe that it is taught anywhere in the Bible that what we saw in the book of Acts suddenly died out in the first generation. I don't believe that. You know why I don't believe that? Because I don't believe it's in the Bible. I also think people over the centuries have used that, however, to commit to all forms of abuses. And we see many of them parading on what's called Christian television today. Divorced from orthodoxy and attached to emotion or worse, grift. Like, if you've truly got the power to heal, dude, don't take 14 offerings at a conference. Go to the pediatric AIDS ward. They need your help. Know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That all being said, the prime directive, never forget this. People aren't in hell because they were deaf. They aren't in hell because they were physically disabled. They aren't in hell because they couldn't get well. They're in hell because they never received absolution and forgiveness for their sins. That's why. And there's only one absolution and forgiveness and atonement that works. Christ alone. That is something Christians, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox have agreed and believed for 2,000 years. There is no other atonement that satisfies the wrath of God. And people who don't have that atonement, that's why they're in hell. No other reason. No other reason than that. We can't ever lose sight of that. That is the prime directive. Want to save America? Save Americans. Next. Here's another reference to it. First and foremost, you did us all proud on the Tim Pool show. You held your ground without judging people with different beliefs than us, and that is what our side does wrong so often. Let the lion out of his cage, and he'll do the rest is my current favorite saying of yours. Thank you, except it's not my saying. Um, that saying goes back to Augustine in like the 5th century or the 4th century. Spurgeon is famous for articulating it about 300 years or 200 years ago. So I can't take credit for it. Again, I'm just a plagiarist, guys. I just read people smarter than me and uh, regurgitate it back to you. Um, uh, now for the big one. I have a cousin whom I was very close to growing up. We spent some years being busy to just being in different seasons of our lives. About 13 years ago, as I was getting married, married, her marriage was ending. We, connect, we reconnected and picked up right where we had left off. Our friendship was as good as ever. However, over the past few years, I believe she's been won over by the LGBTFU uh, cult. She was married to a woman, and just the last year, that marriage failed, surprise, and the other woman went on to marry a man. Let me just stop right here. Listen to the amount of brokenness here. Listen to the amount of brokenness here. I know, and, 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 and this is an example of, I think, what God meant two weeks ago today with apostles, not assassins. 
let me pause for a second. Um, my very first year in national radio, after I was, um, after I left WHO, I've mentioned him before on the show, wouldn't be where I'm at without him. Good buddy of mine, Stu Epperson Jr., took me with him to uh, my first NRB, National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And, uh, I mean, Stu was very kind, man. I mean, he introduced me to his entire network of associates and contacts, which is pretty extensive. And one of the people, one of the groups I got, uh, I, I got connected with was the American Family Association. And to this day, I just have an immense amount of respect for the Wildmans and what they do. They're one of, they, they are, they are, you guys ask me all the time, who should I donate to? Who's not looking to sell me out for a seat at the GOP table? They're ones. They're ones. I go to war with them. And uh, they had an outgoing um, vice president of the company. And I can't remember his name and I don't want to say the wrong name, so I won't say, I won't guess. And uh, I got to know him a little bit at this NRB. And on the last day of the conference, he sent me a text as I was getting dressed to, you know, catch my uh, cab and head to the airport. And uh, he said, hey, do you have a quick minute? I want to talk to you. And I said, sure. And uh, back then, I don't know where, I think it's in Florida now, but NRB used to be at the Gaylord in Nashville, the big exhibit hall there. And then outside there was like a water fountain and like a, you know, like a foyer kind of an area where you get atrium, you kind of hang out and he's waiting there for me. And I go and listen to him. And uh, he tells me that um, he's about to retire. And he says, one of the reasons why he's going to retire is uh, he can't, he knows the people that are taking his way of life away from him and his culture away from him are doing it because they don't know the Lord. He knows this. But he said, I, I, over the course of my lifetime, I've watched my way of life just insipidly and dishonestly taken away from me and my children robbed of it. And I'm angry. And I want to fight back against it. And yet at the same time, I know that people are doing these. I, I know I'm supposed to be saying about the, many of the people doing it, what the Lord said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they not, know not what they do. And he goes, I just, I'm not sure I can do it. And I wanted to talk to you about this because this will be the challenge of your generation, he told me. He said, your generation is going to have to walk and chew gum at the, fa- at the same time. You're going to have to figure out how to fight this culture war in a way that doesn't surrender your children to what's on the horizon, but at the same time, doesn't so alienate those that are trapped within the grip of what's on the horizon that we drive them irreversibly away from the light. And that conversation has stuck with me. I mean, I, I had that conversation now 12 and a half years ago, and it has stuck with me ever since. And I have thought a ton about it since I heard apostles and not assassins. And so I know it is difficult because we are primarily presented this, this cult in a political construct. And everywhere you look, they are looking to press their advantage and thus oppress us. I, so I, 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 I'm not saying just completely overlook that. I'm suggesting we need to work harder, though, at seeing that it's more than that. Do you understand? See the fullness of this. Is it a cult that is seeking to oppress people that won't affirm it? Is that true? Yes. Yes. But is that all that it is? Is that all everybody that everybody that's in its grip? Is that all that they are? No. Listen, listen to the brokenness here. Literally just 
we're just trying genders now. Started with men, let's go to the women, back to men. These are hurting people looking for fulfillment, looking for relationship, intimacy, connection. They're lost. They're broken. Sheep without a shepherd. Let's go back to this email now. These events have pushed my dear cousin over the edge. While this was all going on in her life, I was speaking out against the sexualizing of our children in the schools. I know. Get the kids out of the indoctrination youth camps. That's a conversation for another email. But um, this frequently gets me unfriended. But I've learned to carry this cross because it's mine to bear. So at some point, my cousin unfriended me on Facebook. I didn't realize this for quite a while because I don't use Facebook to gauge my relationships. I messaged my cousin asking what and why I was unfriended for and if she was okay. There was some back and forth on text that led us led to us meeting up. My agenda was to reassure her that I still loved her and hoping to clarify what I felt she was wrongly assuming about my Facebook posts. To say the conversation did not go well would be like saying Todd kind of likes Bonner wine. <laughs> she literally used all the key cult phrases, gay, trans, drag queens, all in the same family of oppressed groups of people. They are her family because they get her. She tried to say that she still believes in God's promise in the rainbow, even while using it as a sign of gay pride. She believes that gay pride month is a step in the right direction because people like me get every other day of the year. She ended up walking out on our meeting. I left feeling I failed. I know I'm not someone who will keep quiet when confronted, but in this case, um, did I hear what God put on my heart wrong? Did I fail? Should I have just left things alone? Is there really a way to bring them back? I'm honestly worried that this ends with me at her funeral. At this point, I'm just praying that God will help her to really hear me at some point because I can do no more. Mindy. Mindy. Proverbs says there's... One, one man's story seems true until you hear the other side. So I can't attest to how the meeting went or, it, or your behavior in it. I wasn't there. I, I can't say that you put on a master class of um, hating the sin but loving the sinner, loving people where they're at. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. So I, I won't render a verdict on that. Here's what I will say, though, sister. The fact you are willing to have this meeting at all means you did not fail. The fact you re-engaged at all means you did not fail. The fact that she was the one that walked away and not you means you did not fail. Mindy, how many times in the New Testament? Now, the, here's, here's what you see in the New Testament. In fact, I won't pose it as a quiz. I'll just state it plainly. In the New Testament, you see Christ willing to engage everybody. No matter where they're at. No matter what state of sin they're currently in, engage with everybody. Here's what you also don't see, though. When they turn from him, you don't ever see him chase after them. Not a single time, which is odd. Stop and think about it. The whole model of the current American church is to build massive money printing machine. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, the current model of much of the current American church is to seek after people, to chase them. Something Christ never does. When they turn their back, no one in the Bible preaches more on hell than Christ does. You never see him chase after people. He engages them where they're at. But when they turn from him, he does not chase. One of the most famous examples of this is at the feeding of the 5,000. 
After this incredible miracle is performed, he begins to now preach and he teaches, if anyone would come after me now, they must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He is speaking, of course, of the rite of um, communion. And what that will signify in the future. People get up and start to walk away. He doesn't ever say, maybe I went too far. Maybe that was just too blatant. No. As they walk away, he actually turns to his disciples and challenges them. (laughs) He says, are you guys going to desert me now too? Peter says, Lord, where would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Is that model practiced almost anywhere in the American church today? No. No. It is a constant worrying, biting of fingernails. Well, they might not come back if I bring this up or talk about this or talk about that. Sister, you went. Again, I I can't speak for how you behaved during during the, uh, the meeting, during the moment. But I can tell you, you did something that most American believers in our age haven't done, aren't equipped to do, and frankly don't see modeled by many of their ministry, too many of their ministry leaders. You went where your broken, where this broken person was. You met them where they were on their terms. You engaged. You stayed. They left. That's all you're called to do. That's all any of us are called to do. We deliver a message. We do our best to live that message. So that it has as much integrity as possible as we're giving it. We're honest and open when we fail our own message. So that it again retains its integrity when we want to give it again in the future. And then what is done with that message once received has, that's, has no responsibility on us. Our responsibilities are to deliver the message and do our best to protect the integrity of us as message givers. That's, those are the only responsibilities we have. God bless you, sister, that you went and engaged. You showed up. You didn't give up. I don't think that's a failure at all. I think it's the exact opposite, actually. Since she brought up the government indoctrination centers, good time for me to tell you about our friends over at Freedom Project Education. Leftist propaganda, endless pronouns, critical race theory, porn for kids, grooming the kids. Let's face it, man. At this point, government education in mass on an institutional level is Satan's youth ministry. Uh, that's why you want to talk to my friends at Freedom Project Academy. They have perfected the art of online learning. I've seen it myself. I mean, I had my own son enrolled in Freedom Project Academy for a couple of years before we enrolled him at Des Moines Christian. Um, They can help offer you online learning, live, on-demand, homeschool courses, K through 12, in a real environment with real teachers, other students. You can save 10% on tuition right now. Freedom Project Academy built on Judeo-Christian values and a classical curriculum. They'll help teach your child how to think, not what to think. 
All right, if you want to take advantage of that 10% discount and enroll today, or maybe you just want a free information packet to learn more, should at least do that, at least learn more. Go to freedomforschool.com, F-O-R, by the way, not the number, but F-O-R, the preposition. Freedomforschool.com, that's freedomforschool.com. We cannot afford to hand yet another generation to the spirit of the age. Take back your child's education, conscience, etc. Freedomforschool.com. You guys have any quick thoughts on Mindy's note before we go to the break? Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of directions that that this could go. But one thing that I've been kind of thinking about, especially this week, um, you, you look at my generation, millennials, Gen Z, and this was true of the boomers when they were younger as well, being a little revolutionaries. But Gen Z and millennials definitely fit that bill. Increasingly Gen Z, little revolutionaries, a la Mao's revolution. And this spirit is seemingly ubiquitous. Because as kind of you were alluding to earlier, Steve, we seemingly are all the time just poked and prodded Mm -hmm. and provoked. And that's on purpose. What assassins get you is that provocation, and they want that. They want that. Assassins only. That's what you get. Apostles, though, gets you a different perspective, in my estimation. I think we need to be careful about, when, we def- when we're talking about defeating the spirit of the age, defeating the left, we need to talk about defeating the spirit of the age, the spirit behind all of those provocations. When we talk about those who are under the grips of that cult, we're talking about enduring them, not defeating those individuals made in the image of God. Do some of them may need to be held accountable? Absolutely. But we're talking about a spiritual battle here, and I think that's a distinction maybe that we need to discuss and bring up more often. Well said. We'll come back. More Feedback Friday is next. This is another warning. Mother's Day's coming. Don't blow it. All right? Look at everything mom did for you. You can remember to get her flowers for Mother's Day. Our friends at Books can help you out with that. All right? Um, you can give mom regular Mother's Day flowers. Make her day instead with spectacular flowers. From our friends over at Books. Here's what you're going to love about why their flowers are different. They're sourced directly from the best farms. They're cut fresh. That way they last way longer. They have a huge selection of unique designs as well. I uh, got my mom her Mother's Day books bouquet early so that I would not forget. Uh, translation, my wife is going for Mother's Day next weekend with our daughter Zoe to Miami Beach. And so I knew I could not rely on Amy to remember. <laughs> so I'm like, let me just do this right now. So that I, I don't, I don't forget and blow it on Mother's Day. All right, uh, Books and my mom loved her Books bouquet. See if your mom will do the same. Uh, use the promo code Steve for twenty percent off. Don't blow it. Books.com promo code Steve B O U Q S for bouquets, short for bouquets. Books.com B O U Q S dot com promo code Steve for twenty percent off. Books.com promo code Steve. Todd, you wanted to address uh, Mindy's email before we moved on here on Feedback Friday. 
Yeah, you know, you you went you went to Nineveh. You know, I I, I we get confused about immediate uh, satisfaction. It, uh, we make it about us all the time. You, you you're not guaranteed that you are going to save that or any person's soul immediately. But you went. There's a fantastic story once somebody told me once, uh, and it's almost providential that it happened this way. But Mother Teresa herself was literally coming to visit this church, and an epile an epileptic. We know a little bit about this. Uh, through scripture, was so excited and was there uh, to meet her and actually went into a seizure before she shows up. And it, and then she does show up as it's happening. And the people who had it, it, it gathered around her uh, of the epileptic, to, 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 they were kind of stunned. They didn't know what to do. And they were standing above him. And she comes in and just gets down, elderly mother, gets out on her hands and knees and she just lovingly tells the people, it's like, He's not up there. He's down here. She just went to him. That, you, our, we just have to, and so look how much more successful you were than so many people in the modern Christian church who are every bit as addicted to comfort as non-Christians. You got uncomfortable. All right? I, I, I think you, you are being way too hard on yourself, and I would just counsel you, sister, to not look at the... Why was that? Because we all still have to grow. Look at what Steve just told you about in the last couple of weeks of his faith journey. All of us. All of us. You, 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 you did exactly what you were called to do. I simply wanted to echo that with Steve in my own way because he nailed it. Good word. Matt Fleming writes, again, um, thought you did a great job on Tim Pool. I'm still getting reaction to that. So, man, that was three months ago almost. So thank you, Matt. Uh, very kind. And they were great to me. And, uh, I mean, they do a great job, and it's a great show. One of the places where a free exchange of ideas can actually still take place. He goes on to say, though, I'm trying to get right with God myself, and I'm really struggling with it. My brain constantly questions everything about everything, and it's very hard for me to accept anything as a self-evident truth unless it's so self-evident it defies reason to be against it. My brain makes me look at everything through the Socratic method to almost a fault. I think I'm like this mainly because I had a pretty overbearing and mentally abusive father and my realization that I was lied to my entire time about Iraq and Afghanistan while I served in the United States Air Force. I bought everything about that war because I was in, um, I was in uniform at the time and like you, I had the we're America bitch kind of mindset. Those two variables make me question everything that sometimes it makes me a little crazy. There's two parts in the podcast that got to me on Tim Pool. It was when you broached to Ian, and I'm paraphrasing, we always question our father's character for all our problems. When do we question ourselves? And your struggles with finding peace with God because of your relationship with your stepfather. I had to stop the replay of Timcast for close to an hour both times a piece to take a walk outside to square that away in my own mind. That cleared up a couple of mental hurdles I was having and getting right with God. So I can thank you. And I can't thank you enough for doing that. It's so cool when someone puts me in a mental checkmate like you did when you were talking with Ian. Please keep doing what you're doing and doing so unapologetically. Again, that's from Matt Fleming. So Matt, first and foremost, thank you for your service. First and foremost. Secondly, you are absolutely right to be questioning things. 
given your life experience and on the on the comprehensive scale you are first and foremost <clears throat> the, the the being that God puts in our lives for the purpose of providing for us and protecting us is our father our earthly father that means there is a, a level of reliance there for certainty and security that he is to provide. When you don't have that in your home from your father or your father figure, it, you're not wrong at all to react the way that you did. Yet you came from a home with no plumb line. Actually, your reaction is completely logical. God intended my father to be my primary conduit for provision, a roof, food, and security that he would protect me, defend me. He didn't. Your father turned on you instead. It's not abnormal at all going through that to then trust That, that God is not a similar kind of father. We normally get the, our initial view of God as a father from our own. Then you join another institution, probably out of a great sense of justice, as you just articulated. I can vouch for this. I never had a problem with a hell at all. My problem was always with an altruistic father. I just never saw it modeled to me. You join this institution that, that disciplines you. You're their disciple. They've remade you in their image. They broke you down and remade you in their image. And then you find out after the fact that much of the mission you thought you were signing up for was anywhere from misguided to a complete and total canard. Brother, this fallen world's two for two on you. I don't, don't blame yourself at all for putting yourself through all forms of mental gymnastics and determining and ascertaining what is true. We just need to make sure, guys like you and I, Matt, we need to make sure, and I know I'm speaking to a lot of other men and women in this audience too, given the current state of fatherhood in America and the current state of dilapidated to um, completely um, occupied institutions in America. We need to make sure that we always remember there is a distinction between a great skepticism and desire of confirmation and knowing what is true from understanding and acknowledging that there is truth. Gravity must be true, Matt. You needed to join the Air Force to fly. There is truth. The challenge for those of us who did not have it modeled to us the way it was supposed to in the home or that put our trust in institutions that then turned on us and failed us. And in your case, brother, you're two for two on, on the dance card that I just laid out is to never stop asking, seeking and knocking. There is truth. There is truth. The weight of our sin the gravity of the sin in this world as it mounts seeks to drown it out, but it still is there. Never stop 
asking, seeking, and knocking. It wants to be found. It will answer the door. That's what we need to make sure we don't do. There is absolutely a distinction between being skeptical of things being true, but then still acknowledging that there is truth. Also, like how you admitted, perhaps unintentionally, that your your ability to think was busted. You weren't so much thinking in your brokenness as reacting, and you had to deal with your brokenness to become a better thinker. That's all in what you just uh, laid for, out for us. Uh, today's age, there's all kinds of people because they're credentialed, they've been to school, all that stuff. They're like, I'm relying on my reason. I'm a reasonable person. I'm dispassionate. No. We're, we're, since Because we are as busted as ever before, now actually, we put all that pain on steroids mm-hmm. because we're just too prideful. We can't put it down. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's the thing. I know it seems when we're seeking truth, we think that 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 is humble and it is provided we are acknowledging there is truth to be sought following to it be found regardless leads. of where it goes even if it challenges me and where i'm at at the time when we shut ourselves off to the idea that there isn't truth then then we are being prideful no matter what our demeanor i think a lot of times again because we're so wrapped up in this in the West, particularly here in the States. That tone and temperament are everything. I'm not saying they're nothing. Who knows, man, if I was doing this show 30, 40 years ago, I might have said, have you thought about being nicer? You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. there's ebbs and flows throughout all of human history. We're at, we are at a, and we are, we are beyond ebbed, okay, in the, how do I sound? Is that, is it, is the tone good? I mean, it, Tone is truth now. It's not tell the truth in the most effective tone you can. The tone itself is the truth. That's that's not true. So when we think when we talk about being humble, we think it's like a tone. I, I'm very lowly, very unassuming. I don't know. You might be humble. You also might be a friggin' sociopath. I mean, every serial killer, what do their neighbors say? He was so quiet, kept to himself. Very pleasant, always said hi, right? Mm-hmm. Ever, any, has there ever been a serial killer where the TV crew went to the neighbors afterwards and like, we always suspect that something was going on over there. I mean, we heard goats bleeding at 2 a.m. And No, every time. Very quiet, unassuming. Humble, because it's a tone. Humble's a tone. No, it's not. Humble, humble is, humility is a spiritual recognition that God is God and you are not. Period. It's not a tone. It's self-awareness. It's an acknowledgement of your place in the world and the place that you don't occupy within it and only one being does. That's humility. It's not a tone. It often now, now that gentleness is often, can, is, is often associated with it. That is true, sure. right? Yeah, but it, it, that, you're not humble because you're gentle. You're gentle because you're humble. It's the other way around. Because serial killers, they act really lowly in public too. 
man, if I do one thing on this show, it may never make me rich, but I am going to reach as many people as I can to absolutely exercise and smash the shibboleth of tonal ethics in America. All right. Because that's friggin' killing us. That is, that's, that's a prison of our own making. Because sometimes there's not a, a good tone. The example I've given a million times was Zoe in the parking lot when she was little. There wasn't a good tone that was going to stop her from getting hit by the car in the Hy-Vee parking lot. What there, was, there was only one thing that was going to stop her from getting hit. Action by me. And aggressively yanking her by the back of that pink little hoodie. And if you were just walking in that wintry day, you probably thought, well, that, that father, maybe that's, that tone's not good. That he's mean to her. He's abusive to her. I literally had just saved her life. Take your tone and shove it. Tone isn't an ethic. There's an ethical tone, but tone isn't an ethic unto itself. When God calls his people stiff necked, is he now unethical? He is not. He is not. He's loving. He is. When Jesus says, man, Jerusalem, I have longed to gather you in as a hen does her chicks. But every time you stone the prophets and kill those whom I've sent, is he unethical because he violated the tone? No. No. Tone is not an ethic. We are killing ourselves with this stuff. All right, before we get out of here, two reasons you're dealing with ongoing physical pain, and my wife is experiencing both of them right now. So she's got a clinical condition. We thought it was a torn meniscus. That was the initial diagnosis in the hospital, but the MRI says that her meniscus is great, all her ligaments are great, but they did find bone spurs from too much arthritis in her knee for many years. So that's a clinical issue. She's got to go in and get those bone spurs cleared out. But... After they're done with that, the ongoing issue of the inflammation from the arthritis will remain. All right. So uh, she's got clinical pain. They're going to deal with that first. But then after that, we're going to deal with the inflammation and the arthritis with our friends over at Relief Factor because that's a chronic pain issue. And that's what Relief Factor can help you with. All right. Devised by doctors who can prescribe drugs, even though it is drug-free. It helps reduce the inflammation in your body that is likely causing that chronic pain. If you do the, if you do the three-week starter kit for just 20 bucks, you'll find out why about 70% of the people who try this end up sticking with it because of the results they see in three weeks or less. If you have been struggling with chronic pain, you've tried everything else, What's 20 bucks to give Relief Factor a shot and see if you might be a part of that 70%? Go to relieffactor.com. Get the trial pack. Again, just $19.95. Relieffactor.com is where you want to go, or you can call them at 800 the number 4, 800-4-RELIEF, 800-4-RELIEF, or relieffactor.com. Gentlemen, final thoughts. Well, uh, I think... Listen, this election uh, uh, coming up, it's it's clearly uh, in terms of our conversations uh, with uh, Vivek and others that you know that the show is ramping up. D- decide now, uh, orient yourself with your closed hand and open hand on this. What what are we really doing here? Is it a show, or is it a civilization? Is it a show? Or is it the good, the true, and the beautiful? And, and be, Steve's used this. I haven't heard him say it in a long time, but it helps you a lot. Be no respecter of persons. 
uh, you get drunk on it way too fast and it doesn't take you to good places. Amen. All right. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you all, hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy it. We'll see you again on Monday. We made it through a full week of the show. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.